Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast for 2023. Uh, year five, I think it might be. Year five, that's unbelievable. Uh, I'm Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels. Can you believe it's this is the fifth year that we've been doing this? Is it the fifth year? We said this last year about year four. Yeah, or year <laughs> five then maybe. Yeah, um, I think maybe. it is, I think. I think it is because we... 19, 20, 21, 22, and then 23. Yes. Fifth yeah. year. Fifth year. A milestone um, year. You're not going to organise something for this well, milestone. Well, I was going to say, I think it makes sense if we're doing about 20, 25 a year. Last year, we had our 100th. 100th. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. This is year five. Gee whiz. Where does the time go? Uh, we're back. We're back for another year. Uh, as I said, I'm Matt Walsh. Jake Michaels with me. And champion data's Christian Jolly is back for another season of the ESPN Footy Pod. Christian, how are you? You've been... Stateside on the off season, doing some uh, little bits and pieces for Champion Data. Can you divulge what you've been up to? Yeah, I've been uh, jumping headfirst into a new sport. So I've been covering uh, the National Lacrosse League over in America now. Uh, we've been doing, which I think the season started about December. Uh, so yeah, indoor box lacrosse. Get on it. I don't know how you watch it in Australia. I've got a, I've got a magic link that I use through the NLL. So don't know how you watch it out here, but it's it's a great sport for a lot of people that love footy. That you know, sort of. I think the one thing that kills me in footy now is the chipping around sideways and the sort of the dead periods you're getting quarters. None of that in lacrosse, just full on attack and body smashing on bodies. But no, nah, it's been a different off season. But yeah, it got me got me worried thinking fifth or sixth year of uh, our pod. Um, I think most players peak in their fifth or sixth <laughs> year, so uh, I don't think we're going to get any better than we are, guys. So just <laughs> no. just keep that in mind. Well, for those of you listening for the first time, don't bother. Basically, I think is find uh, a new podcast. Is the thought um, any stats you can take from lacrosse and bring across to footy? I know that you would have taken a few things uh, from footy. Opposite opposite way when yeah. they. When they pitched to us, we watched lacrosse and said, you want the exact same stats we want. They want ground balls, loose balls, turnovers, yep. cause turnovers, uh, goals, assists. So it is, that's probably why I've fallen in love with the sport as well. It's very translatable between the two transactions that we're covering between the two sports. There you go. You watch much stuff. lacrosse in your time, Jake? Uh, I have not. I have never seen a, a live lacrosse game. Game or match? match Game, or I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah there's, there's outdoor and indoor, so and, and the indoor's the one that's that's sort of captured my heart. So fascinating. Yeah. No, you you were, you were talking about it before. Uh, it sounds like sounds like we might have to give it a go. Although I don't know how we watch it over here. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to work that out. Maybe we'll let all our listeners know as well if you if you're interested. Uh, we are not here for lacrosse, though. We are here for footy. Uh, this is our first uh, actually unofficial episode, Jake, because we've got another episode dropping later this week, which will be our little preseason wrap and other things. So do uh, stay tuned for that. However, we are here for a somewhat special occasion because well firstly congratulations to you because you're ESPN's senior writer down here in Melbourne now you're no longer uh, on the editing board you're no longer with us plebs behind the desk uh, doing some editing here and there you're now just a full-time writer so congratulations thank you Mr Walsh Uh, (laughs) I'm still a pleb I don't think that's going to change but uh, yeah no it's it's super cool Um, just got to do a little bit more writing in the off season and yeah look to do that Full time now, as you said. So it's it's more fun. Get to do some cool, exciting things footy wise throughout the season. And yeah, uh, some other sports tuned. too: boxing, uh, tennis, UFC, bits, bits and pieces. So yeah. keep uh, keep an eye out for Jake's stuff on ESPN.com.au. But as I said, one of your big projects that you had in the off season was mm. you wanted to combine or compile rather a top fifty. Not a unique aspect of of footy media, but no. you are. You your your slant on this is actually quite interesting. So why don't you take us through? What I think you're... my my opinions on players are probably where it's unique. Yeah, but no, that's exactly right. Like I think we were sort of 
a few months ago, we were sort of sitting down and having a bit of a chat around what some you know some content ideas, things that we could do um, ahead of the twenty twenty three season. And I've always been fascinated with lists and rankings um, with anything really, but particularly footy because obviously we we watch it all and we we know it quite well. Um, as you said, it's not a unique idea to to rank fifty players. I know obviously Mark Robinson does it, and there's a few others in the in the AFL media that do it. Um, but there's no reason why we couldn't do it as well, I figured, um, and do, put our own slant on it. And so I thought, let's do it. Let's actually rank the 50 best players in the league um, and let's justify why each of them are there, not rather than just coming up with a list and saying, you know, yeah, criticize no, and, it. Uh, yeah, close um, for discussion. Yeah, we, so. we want to justify each selection in there. And it was funny how this idea sort of came to be because we were actually sitting in the office and I, and I joked about this in the in the intro to this to this piece, um, but we were sitting in the office and one of the guys was sort of saying that Shea Bolton's a top three player in the league, and this was halfway through last year, and he just had one of those games where he kind of kicked about four goals, five five behind, seventeen disposals, one of his classic great games. And as good as he is, I thought, has he just jumped about twenty guys in in one weekend? And that's when it made me start thinking, how do you rank? those kind of guys and where do they rank against other players that play the same position and then to make it even more difficult how do you rank them against players that play in a totally different position and that's where this becomes an extremely challenging project mm. comparing you know a key forward to a general defender to someone who plays you know inside midfield so it was extremely difficult I regretted doing it about 20 times throughout this. It's taken me five times longer than I had imagined or hoped it would. Well, good thing you're no longer a desk monkey. Yes, I wouldn't have had the time. But um, I th- I hope it's well received. I hope people enjoy reading it. I hope I think it looks really cool on the website. Mm. Um, and I'm sure people will disagree with bits and pieces. That's fine. No, you could find you could get every footy fan uh, in the country to come up with their list of 50. And I don't think anyone would have the same. 50 players let alone in the same in the order. order so yeah. I think that was the first thing you, you sent me the email and explained what you were doing and wanted a bit of help and I think I re- responded back to you the, you're either a brave man or a stupid man for doing this because you, you're sort of, of you're putting yourself out there it is, it's, and it, but it, it's one of those ones you put out a list you're yeah. going to get smashed for yeah. it no one's and everyone's going to be happy and the other discussion we had of yeah, if, if every footy fan across Australia did a top 50 how many different names from the league would mm. appear in the top 50s I reckon it'd blow out to about 200 players almost would get into somebody's Depends what top people 50. value. This and is, that's exactly it. It's, it's what do you value more? Do you value a Ruckman? Do you value a running halfback? Do you value an inside midfielder? Or do you value a key forward the most? Yeah. And every, and you know, there's obviously you're going to have some from each position in the, in the list um, as I do. But as you'll see, as you, as you read through the names, um, you probably get a sense of the types of players I value more than others. Yeah. Well, if you are listening to this, uh, the top 50 is out. It's on ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL. Uh, and Jake is at jmichaels at ESPN on Twitter. If you want Gee, to. I don't know about that. Can we get that taken out, please? I'm turning my phone on after this. <laughs> uh, anyway, we should get into it. Uh, you said that you, it did take a long time. So clearly, not only getting the 50 names together, mm. how, what, was, what did you start with? How many names did you start with on an initial list? 127 names. So yeah. basically, I thought, how do you how do you attack this? Like, what's the first thing you do? And you you kind of don't want to forget anybody. So you, you don't just start writing down all the kind of obvious names. You go, I went through every team list, and you just go through every single player, and anyone that you think's potentially a top hundred player. It's like I'm putting that name down for for the initial list. Went through all 18 clubs, did that. You know, some teams might have had 10 players, some might have had two, and then you get 
yeah, it was 100 and, 127, 128 players by the end of it. And then from that point on, sort of put them into two buckets. I put the ones that were like, okay, they're definitely going to be in it. And there might have been 25 names, 25, 30 names that were just no doubt. Yeah. And then started looking. And then when you have all those names together, you start to realize, gee, this guy who's a really good player, he might not be a top 100 player in the league. You think 50 names is a lot, but it really isn't. No. And I think when you get down to the 48, 49, 50 players on the list, you'll think, gee, these are some really good footballers. Average it out, it's not even three per club. Exactly. You're talking about the two best players at each club and then a couple of you know standouts from, from, from very good yeah. clubs. Or and, and again, so there'll be, play, there'll be teams that have... Uh, I think there are four teams that have five players and there's two teams that don't have a player. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it was quite challenging. And then from that point, obviously, the ranking process starts and that was the that was just nightmare. Nightmare yeah. after nightmare because you rank <laughs> them, you go to bed, you wake up, you look at it again and you think, nah, he's better than this guy. And then you change it and then you look back an hour later and you think, but is he? And then you're looking at the stats and I've had my whole... my I had 500 tabs open of every player in the comp stats and it's just... You don't want to get too in the weeds with the, with mm. the stats, but the stats do tell a story, clearly. And it's kind of like how... So it's it's very difficult. And as I said before, when you're comparing players that play dif- different positions, it's super hard to, to, to rank them you know, above or below. Was it easy to rank the number one without giving it away? Um, it... Well, I think we can give it away now can, because yeah. it, because it's out. Sure. Um, we're going to go through the top 10 shortly anyway. But my number one player is Christian Petrarca. Uh, I think initially I was probably leaning towards Clayton Oliver being my number one um, and then settled on Petrarca. I don't think there's much in it. I think there's five players. My top five, I think, all have an argument. And this is something I think most footy fans would agree with, that the top five I have, you might not ne- necessarily have it in that order, but... Most people would probably say one of them is the best player in the comp. Yep. Few people might say Bontempelli, but I, I think they're the five most people would agree with. But yeah, for me, it was Petrarca, best player in the comp. I mean, he's he's so damaging when he's in the midfield or when he pushes forward. He does everything well, kicks goals. And I know last year was sort of probably not a great goal-kicking year. I think mm. he still kicked 19 or 20. Um, he can get better than that. And if you actually compare his numbers to prime Dustin Martin... It's almost identical. Like, it's so close um, over the last two seasons compared to the 17, 18 Martin seasons. And he, what he's doing... And, and, that, and when you look at Martin in that period, I don't think anyone questioned he was the best player in the comp, whereas I think people now still might be a little hesitant to say Petrarca is. I think he is. I think what he does um, and what he provides, obviously that point of difference as opposed to your regular midfielder who might just win the ball, but being able to set up goals... Uh, I think he's top three in score involvements in the comp. A lot of goal assists, a lot of goals, um, and obviously has that drive and his burst from stoppage is is what you just can't stop. So without gonna, we're not going to harp on on these guys for too long, but there there was a stiff list because there is ultimately you know like you said one twenty seven doesn't go into fifty. So who was who was at the top of the stiff list for those that were really close and on the cusp? And so before people do tweet at you, mm. uh, you can sort of say they were they were right there. Yeah, so I think if it you'd love it, love it to go down to sixty players because then you could get a lot of these guys in, but then you you face the same problem of who's stiff to not make the sixty. So it's never ending. I think if I had if I did fifty one players, if I was putting one more in, I think Sam Doherty's the the player that I put in fifty one. Um, I think a lot of people will be surprised he's not in the fifty after particularly after last season. You know, obviously, I think our listeners know by now we're all Carlton supporters, so there isn't a. It, it's I guess it's the opposite of bias. I I love Doherty. I think he's a fantastic player, but 
I just couldn't I couldn't take anyone else out to put him in. And I think it's that's what it comes down to. So yep. he's one. Braden Maynard, another one. Great oh, player. Really? Doesn't get in. He was uh, on one of your initial ones. He was. Then again, just a little bit of shuffling between 40 and 60. Yep. In the end, just comes out in that 51 to 60 range. Uh, Cam Guthrie doesn't make it either. Tom Mitchell, Adam Saad, uh, Angus Brayshaw. Jake Lever. names there. Jake Lever, Bailey Dale. Um, I'm sure you guys have plenty more names that you can keep throwing at me but, but <laughs> well, I'll, throw, I'll say to you that's fine you can come up with 50 more but who are you taking out? Exactly. that's, that's yep. the tricky part uh, so Christian Jake did give this list to you uh, earlier in the week and, and sort of asked you to critique it and take a look and all that sort of stuff firstly I guess your initial thoughts and then maybe a couple of players that you are surprised to see there maybe and then a couple of players that you're happy and that, that, that Jake's been able to acknowledge that people might not have in their 50s yeah, I think I think what he said about the top five is spot on. When I, you know, as I said to him when he first started, I thought it was, you know, it's an ambitious idea because you're never going to get it right. And then he sent through and I said, that top five pretty much picks itself, doesn't it? It's just the order you have it. Um, so again, revealing the top five, Petrarca, Paddy Cripps, Clayton Oliver, Lockie Deal, Jeremy Cameron. I think those five are clearly the five best players mm-hmm. in the competition. You can have them in any order. I'd probably have Jeremy Cameron second just because he's different to the rest. You know, you've got four midfielders and a key forward. I'd almost have him as the second best player in the comp just because he's unlike. Year five of the pod, Jake is a. I think we've established that Jake's a, a midfielder guy. Midfield man. Not a Ruckman yeah, well, guy. And then, yeah, that's the other thing I noticed <laughs> straight away looking at it was uh, so one Ruckman um, who isn't in the top 40. <laughs> and you, you, you've said you've got one general defender. And I know we at Champion Data, we classify the position. So, yes, Tom Stewart is a general defender, but you have no running general defenders mm. whatsoever in, the, in there at, uh, at all. So, you're going to obviously see that that's probably not a a role or position you rate. So probably the one, again, you just reeled off his name then. The two that I thought could have been in the top 50 because of that position, Adam Saad and Bailey Dale are probably the two best halfbacks we got. I think Adam Saad, I think, is very underrated for his defensive skill set. I think everyone just thinks he gets the ball and does running bounces. He always starts <laughs> next yeah. to his opponent and beats his opponent first. Um, and Bailey Dale, just that role he's done for the Bulldogs. I think yeah. every club's trying to replicate the Bailey Dale role in their own team. So and I think you throw Jack Sinclair's name in there yeah. as well, who was another one who had a breakout season. So, I- and, and I think we've heard it before, you know, Aaron Hall gets 800 metres gained and Jake's the first to bag him. So obviously <laughs> running defenders are, are probably low on your list. And, and again, looking at one Ruckman, Max Gorn's the only one that's made into top 50. Again, the argument is take someone out to get another Ruckman in. After long, long hard thought, you know, first looks, I thought you've got to have more than one Ruckman in there. I think stepping away and looking at it more, I think I'm pretty comfortable only having one ruck at the moment. Yeah. Grundy, Grundy's had a year written off, so he's sort of dropped off the, dropped off a bit. Nick Nat's never put in consistent year. And then you look at stats-wise, Jared Witts and uh, Sean Darcy are the next two best-performed ruckmen over the next two years, and I, I think they just both miss out on the top 50, 60 players in the comp. Yeah, and as I kind of explained with, with Gorn, and, and like I said at the start, I, I've tried to put in... Uh, or not tried, I have actually explained with a decent chunk for each player why they're being ranked here, what they do well, perhaps what they don't do as well, and why they could be ranked higher or lower. And with Gorn, it's as simple as... It, it, it's a ranking of the best players, and that, that's what I want to be super clear. It's the best players. It's not the most valuable. Gorn is so valuable. If it was a, and if it was a valuable list, he's, he ranks in the top 20, probably top 15. There's no doubt about it. But it's the best players, and I think Gorn, I think would all probably agree, Gorn's not the most skillful player in the competition. So no, I don't think I don't think he does. And and like Christian said, you look at some of the some of the other comps top ruckman. You know, if Jared Witts is the second best ruckman in the comp, 
Is he in the top 100 players? Like best football players? I'm not convinced. So, uh, no, I, I have no issue with having just the one ruck in there. But I see the point with the running defender. Um, you know, someone mentioned Nick Dacos's name and he was stiff not to make it. And I thought, as good as he was, we were impressed because it was his first year. If that was his fourth year, don't think anyone's jumping up and down saying he's got to be in the 50 best players. So we've also we've also don't want to be projecting here. He's going to be a top fifty player. There's no doubt about it. There's other players in on the list too that we'll probably get to shortly. Yeah. That are going to be. So this higher. is coming into 2023. Yeah, basically. of course. Yeah. Uh, this isn't what it's going to be in 2026. So, um, yeah, we we can't project too much. There are certain players that I think will eventually rank higher. Um, but yeah, we can, we can't have them. So you mentioned Gorn and kind of the 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 best versus most valuable. So mm. people might sort of balk at where he is on this list. Are there other names that you think are controversial in where they are placed? I see you've made a couple of notes here of a yeah, few players. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's always going to be controversial ones, and I obviously don't. I didn't intend for them to be controversial, but I yeah. think the way people view players, they uh, they probably will. I think Gorn will be the first one. You know, the the list goes from fifty down to one, so you you'll read Gorn's name first, and that'll probably be the first one people are a little surprised by. I think. The one which will be the biggest surprise is probably Callum Mills at 28. Um, and I generally, I actually think 28 is kind of generous for Mills, whereas a lot of people would say he's well, why have you put definitely him a top 15 Your list. player. No, I'm not saying... I'm just saying, I think 20, I think when you look at the names between 28 and 35, you're splitting hairs there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I could... I wouldn't be too disappointed if you dropped a couple of spots and you shuffled them around, which, as I said earlier, you you spend, you could shuffle this list around uh, forever. But I just think Mills, he's a great player. He he doesn't really have a weakness to his game, does everything really well. And that's kind of the, the Blitzarves, the Blitz, he's the bit of a the Blitzarves sort of effect where you do everything well, but are you, do you do, do you do anything spectacularly where I have to have you in this top 50? And that's probably why Mark Blitzovs doesn't make it. And with Mills, it's the same sort of thing. I think what he's credited for and what he's praised for in the media is his two-way running. He's a great two-way midfielder. Well, I'd argue there's five or six mid- mids ahead of him that do that exact thing um, a whole lot better. And they have the numbers that will prove it. Look, someone like Tuke Miller. I mean... I think a lot of people, maybe now after after the last season, but I think Miller does that a whole lot better than what uh, Mills does. And it's not a knock on Mills at all. It's mm. just I'm just justifying why he's not a top 15 yeah. player and, like and, a lot of people would believe. And we spoke about, you know, when we went through these stats and I was sort of talking about guys that are given different roles. So Callum Mills isn't the one that they tell to go and win 30 disposals and get his hands on the ball first. So you can sort of see from his numbers, he's not elite at anything. He's, he's only an average ball winner. For a midfielder, um, average for contested possessions, above average uncontested possessions. So the only thing that he sort of rated elite in was tackles. Tackling, yeah. So he's a good defensive player. But again, I think he's just his role changes every week that he's never going to be the number one disposal winner or the number one contested possession. Because one week he'll be playing off half back, tagging a you know a dangerous forward. The next week he'll be all right. We want you to go in and win us some clearances. So again, there's a few names that you threw up, and I thought, well, they just don't get in the, well, they get a bit lower or miss out on the top fifty altogether because of their role and because the the coach sort of doesn't. You know, so someone like Callum Wilkie versus Stephen May was sort of talking about defensive rating, and Callum Wilkie has a better defensive rating than Stephen May. But you're probably asking Stephen May to do a lot more offensively, where you're mm-hmm. telling Callum Wilkie, "You just, you just look after your yep. man." That's the, so. Again, when you when you're trying to sort of 
judge people by using stats. You have to understand their role and things like that. And I think looking at Callum Mills, you look at his stats, he goes, well, he doesn't, he's not the best at anything. He's not the top 10 at anything. But he is. When you watch what he does for Sydney, it's like, but he's their Mr. Fix-It. He mm. can go back, forward, or mid. And maybe and that's where you, you talk about most valuable. To the Swans, he's probably one of the most valuable players they have. Yeah. And he's probably one of the more valuable players in the league compared to where he Absolutely. is ranked and on same, this list. And same with Blitzars. Like yeah. I mentioned before, he is one of the more valuable players because he's the Swiss Army knife. He can he can play five different roles. Um, so so he's one of them. The other, there's a couple couple probably closer to the top. Rory Laird at 14. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Rory Laird. I think he, I've said it for a while, I think he is the most underrated and underappreciated player in the league. Do you think I think it's just going to catch up though. I think people uh, he needed that one year in the midfield to just do what he did yeah. in a side that probably wasn't that great last year. Yeah. Didn't get a lot of attention, didn't get a lot of national exposure on free to wear for instance, mm. uh, especially in the eastern states. But you look at him, his numbers last year, the impact he had, the way he's been able to transition into a new role and you think there's a Brownlow contender there this year. Well, there should be, but then you look at last year and you think as good as he was last year and his numbers were as good as anybody. Um, he didn't poll a single best on ground in the whole season, uh, which is the umpires are watching. Too. I mean, this is the same thing though. So it takes time to catch up. It does. Um, he's a fantastic player. He's a super consistent player, um, and it, it's everything. It's his. He's the. I think last year was the best ball winning player in the league. He is a, a top five contested ball winner. He was. Th- Second or third in tackles um, and top five in tackles. So I was going to say there wouldn't be many people in the last ten years to rank number one in disposals and top five as yeah. well in tackles. He was number one for disposals per game and second for tackles yeah. per game. So, um, so defensively and offensively in the midfield. I yeah. mean, so he so he does it all. And and kind of like I said to you guys before, I think a lot of people would, and, and it's not they're not identical players. I get it, and a lot of people would have no issue saying Clayton Oliver is a top four or five player in the league. But I think a lot of people would probably be surprised that Laird's in my top twenty. Well, they're they're not that dissimilar. Uh, you look at the, look at what they've done over the last couple of seasons. Um, sure, Oliver's done it a little bit longer because he's been in the midfield for for longer. As you said, Laird was playing more at half back, but they are not dissimilar players, and all their their numbers are very very similar over the last two years. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I'm happy to justify that um, at 14. And then the only other one is probably which might raise a few eyebrows is my highest ranked defender who is at 12. James Sisley. Um, I think a lot of people probably think of Stephen May or uh, or Jake Lieber, who isn't on the list, or Darcy Moore, Sam Taylor last year, All-Australian, um, and might not think of Sisley. So he obviously missed that year, came back, and was just phenomenal was last year. Um, didn't didn't miss a beat. I'm so I'm I'm wrapped that he's the Hawthorne skipper now. I think that's I'm all for it. I think it's great. I love the way he plays. Um, you know, Unsociable Hawks kind of sums up that attitude, doesn't yeah. it? Really? Um, and you know he's one of the best markers in the league. He's one of the best rebounding rebounders outside. Good of decision maker. He's a great intercept player. He's he spoils. He's a, he, he's just got off the charts footy IQ. He's just a great football player. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's fair enough. And you know he has mellowed a, a bit in, in a bit. I think since the injury as well. So he, in terms of a choice of a captain, I think you're right. He, he's clearly their best player. He's their skipper now. Had a been rewarded for what was a brilliant year last year mm. and I look as someone who's happy to always critique you and, and your lists and stuff like this I think that's that's pretty fair so yeah. I don't mind that um, Christian anyone on there that you want to give props to Jake for that pay people might not have in their top 50 um, yeah probably no. one no <laughs> <laughs> now, there's one, I think, yeah, a few names. One that came in late, I think, um, that might surprise a few people, especially when you look at 
the team he plays for. So Noah Anderson uh, just crept into the top 40 in the end, um, I believe. And yeah, I think that, that makes him the second highest Gold Coast player behind uh, Took Miller. So I think a lot of people, when you're talking about top 50 midfielders at Gold Coast, they think Matty Rowe would be the one that's probably not there yet, but will be there. Looking at Noah Anderson, I mean, he was number one in the comp of midfielders for metres gained last year. Um, I think he was top two or three in the comp for total kick. So, you know, he, he gets the ball moving mm. um, out of the stoppages for Gold Coast. And I think that's, again, I'm, I'm giving a big tick for Jake for putting him in the top 50. He's definitely sort of up there in, um, you know, as an elite midfielder now. And, and, and sorry, and just it, quickly it, on Anderson, I, I, I when I mentioned it to a couple of couple of, couple of of colleagues, not, not yourself, Matt, um, <laughs> but a bit of surprise with Anderson. I think that kind of sums it up. So just a quick stat line from last year, 26 disposals, six inside 56 clearances. Um, and a goal every second game. Like, that's that's damn good. And that's only his third season. And he's taken a big jump each year. So, again, I know there's no projection here. But if he's taken a, a significant jump, even at that level, I'm comfortable with him being in the top 40. And I wouldn't have, would not be... He's one of my players to keep an eye on this year. I would not be surprised if he's pushing for top so, 25. Yeah, and it sort of, you know, it should be, you know, good for a Gold Coast supporter to hear. It took me a uh, Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson. Mm. If they, if all three of those can appear in, you know, next year's top 50, that's that's a premiership winning midfield yeah. right there almost. Um, just off the top of my head, I don't think there was a team that had three mids all in the top 50 this year. So mm. that'd almost be the closest. Uh, sorry, Car- Carlton. Carlton had Cripps, oh, Walsh and Hewitt. In there, yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's certainly not many that, that could say that. So when you, we talked about at the start, maybe your your sort of penchant for choosing midfielders. Um, so you had 22 midfielders. You had 10 yep. mid-forwards. So you, you're probably looking at types that are like Petrarca, Martin, these Bolton, kind of guys. Yeah. Those type of players, yeah. So, so 22 midfield, 10 mid-forwards, four key defenders, four general forwards, yep. eight key forwards, and one ruck. So that makes out the top fifty. Yep. Um, when you look at that balance, is that is that something you're you're kind of happy with? I mean, I guess midfielders make up the bulk of players on a field at any one time or on the bench. It's funny you say that because at the start of this whole project, I actually before I even started writing names down, I thought I wonder what my split would be, and I actually thought it without would be, thinking about it, yeah, as in without aiming for a, a target. Yeah, instance. no, no target. I just thought I wonder what it'll end up being, and I thought. Yeah, if you include, if we just call midfielders midfield or mid-forward, I thought there'd be about 35. So 32, yeah, it's pretty much around where I thought it would be. Um, I probably was a bit surprised that there weren't more general forwards. Only the four general forwards. Like, um, But I also don't look at it and think, of the of the names I, I, I mentioned before in the stiff players, there were no general forwards. I think the next one people would probably say deserves to be in it was Tyson Stengel. But, you know, as great as he was last year, you know, played fantastic, won a premiership. I think he's kicked about nine goals or something like that yeah. outside of last outside of that year. So he probably want a little bit more body of work before we can put and him in. I think again, this is sort of going a little bit off from your top fifty, but I think again we've spoken about it on the pod before. That again just elevates to me how good Luke Bruce, Jamie Cripps, and Eddie Betts were yeah. across the last 10 years. It's so hard for a general forward to play consistently well. If you are a consistent player, you get put in the midfield and you become a mid-forward. So that's what we've seen with Shy Bolton, was clearly a general forward two years ago, is now a mid-forward because he has that ability. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable not having a general forward, you know, not, well, as you yeah. said, only three or four general forwards in the top 50 because they do seem to be 
you know, the most inconsistent type players and the ones that do sort of elevate themselves become midfielders eventually, which we, we might see from, you know, Isaac Rankin yeah. and Joshua Shelley. And, and it's interesting year. that the, the general the general forwards that I have, so Bailey Fritch, who's like mid-sized marking threat, Isaac Heaney, who is very similar as well, Toby Green, who plays a lot taller than he really is, and Charlie Cameron, who's more of your traditional crumbing smaller forward. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting that that they were the only four. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with it. I don't think there's I anyone. Think that's... I think it is such a hard role yeah. to be consistently good at. Um, we're going to run through the top ten in a sec, but I think let's just run through the fifty really quickly. I don't know, I'll, I'll just rattle them off. The names? Yeah, because uh, you know people might be in the car and they might not be able to pull over and and, sure. and read this. So so fifty. George Hewitt, forty nine. Jack Crisp. 48, Nat Fife. So probably slipped from what we thought he might have been a few years ago, but just the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, and one of the hardest and... players to rank, really. I mean, um, I think if, if, if everyone's at their peak and peak fitness and you're playing one game and everyone's lined up in front of you, Nat Fife's going in the top 10. I have no doubt about that. He's a two-time Brownlow medalist. But there are a lot of question marks on him. Is he going to excel playing predominantly as a forward? Is he over his injuries? Um, and his production obviously has dropped significantly. Mm. But I still think he's a top 50 player. 47, Aaron Norton. 46, Zach Bailey. You sort of ummed and ahed about making sure that Bailey was in the top 50, yeah. I remember. 45, Lance Franklin. Um, yeah. So yep. there's one. Another Again, tough one. I'll, I'll probably give you a tick for that one. I think there's a lot of talk that top Lance Franklin, you know, wasn't in the top 150 players. Yeah, I mean, last that's year, ridiculous. So I, mean, yeah. I think me and you both spoke about it. If you're, if you're doing the traditional pick him in a schoolyard and Lance Franklin standing in front of you, yes, Lance Franklin's not as good as he was in 2012, but he's still better than... Yeah. 670 kicked other 50 goals in, in each yeah. of the last two seasons. I mean, he's kicked 50 goals in season 13 times. He is still one of the best key forwards going around. Yeah. And so I think I, when someone like him and Dusty, when, they, when they're not as good as what they were, people think they've just dropped off the yeah. face of the cliff. It's like, no, he's still yeah. a gun player in the competition. Uh, we'll get to Dusty. So 45, Franklin. 44, Max Gorn. 43, Bailey Fritch. 42, Bailey Smith. Uh, 41, Luke Parker. 40, Scott Pendlebury. 39, Anderson, as you said, from Gold Coast. 38, Darcy Parrish. 37, Josh Dunkley. The only player that moved clubs in the offseason mm, in your top 50? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it, does that sum up that it wasn't... We didn't have a huge amount of offseason moves, like A-grade moves, um, perhaps? Uh, Harry Mackay, 36. Hugh McCluggage from Brisbane, 35. Taylor Walker from Adelaide, 34. Yeah, that'll be one that surprised a lot of people. And to be honest, it surprised myself when I was going through, digging through all the numbers last... I kind of used the last two years as a, as a good gauge because I thought, kind of like the Stengel thing, it's you want to see a bit more body work than just one season, but also we're not going back five years where yeah. you're getting back into a bit more legacy sort of players. But Walker was one, I think, and, and, and if you do read, a lot of the numbers there will surprise, surprise uh, people. He's top four in goals per game average. Um, top five in in league for score involvements, and no player in the comp had more contributed to a higher percentage of their team scores throughout throughout the whole of last season. Which I, I think is you can make the case he's with that he's the mo- he's the best attacking weapon in the league. Uh, he's at thirty four, thirty three. Tom Liberatore, thirty two. Connor Rosie, thirty one. Darcy Moore, thirty. Charlie Cameron, twenty nine. Jordan Degoe. Again, probably one of those players where you could have higher uh, with a bit more consistent output. Yeah, he for sure. I mean, and I kind of said that. Like he, he's he. There's been points of his career, you know, even as as recently as a year or so ago, where you like you probably don't have him in the top fifty. And then there have been points, and I've been guilty of it, where I said he was he was challenging to be the best player in the league. So I think he's somewhere in the middle at the moment. And 
this year, I would not be surprised if he ended the year as about 15 or if he dropped out of the 50. He's on, it's kind of right on that, where does he sort of go? But I think where he is now, the 30th thirtieth or 29th best player in the league, is, is pretty happy with that. 28, Callum Mills. Uh, 27, Australian Sam Taylor. 26, Isaac Heaney. 25, Andrew Brayshaw. 24, Sam Walsh, uh, who we're not going to see for a couple of weeks uh, with that back injury. 23, Jack McRae. 22, Zach Merritt. 21, Chad Warner. You're a big fan of Chad. I am. Everyone should be. He's a superstar. Um, yeah, the, probably aside from the the older guys uh, like your like Franklin and Pendlebury and Fife and Dusty Dangerfield, those guys, Warner was the hardest player to rank. I mean, he really was because, like I said, you don't want to forecast too much. I truly believe you'll be a top three player in the comp by the end of 2024. Um, but you don't want to forecast. But even if you look at what he's what he's done and what he achieved last year. You only have to look at his last game that he played and you then you look back on the whole season. He's phenomenal. And what he's doing, no one's... There, there aren't many players in modern history to do what he's done. And he hasn't even played 40 games yet. Yeah, so if you look at the average of, uh, I think it's about 20, just over 20 disposals and, you know, some inside 50s, I think it was five inside 50s, a goal and a score assist per game. He's up there with himself, Petrarca and Bonsapalli as sort of being the only three that averages yeah. in those bands. So he's already come up to be yeah, one of the best attacking clearance players in the competition. Yeah. So, so sorry, I think a lot of people might be might think it's a bit premature, he's a little bit high, but I think you can certainly make the case with what he did last year, his numbers and and obviously there is a bit of trajectory. I, I think there's no reason why he's not um, in that range there. Not to throw you under the bus, but what's the difference between the year that he had and the year that someone like Tyson Stengel had? Um I, well, I value it more. I, I value doing it in the midfield more. I mean, it's not it's not a knock on Stengel in any way, yep, but he did play. Kid was playing in the best forward line in the comp and the team that went all the way and won the flag, and he was a, a massive contributor to that. So not knocking more, him. More at all. his good form started halfway through twenty twenty one as well. So he did have a good end to twenty twenty one. and twenty yeah, no, I'm not and twenty two was just yeah. Some of the numbers that he produced over the course of the year. Um, we're just insane. Stephen May at 20, Ollie Wines, 19, Tom Stewart, 18, uh, Jack Steele, 17, Patrick Dangerfield, 16, Dustin Martin, 15. So a couple of veterans there that are still holding top 20 positions. Yeah, and it wasn't... They weren't ranked next to each other because of that. Um, that I, I really felt that's how they were. Uh, and I did... I armed an art about having Laird above... Who you haven't got to yet, is 14... Um, above or below them but I and, and I think a lot of people will look at it and say you'd have Laird over Martin and Dangerfield okay not for their career those two are Hall of Famers Laird isn't yet but um, yeah I, I right now I, I really do think that, that he is a better player yeah so Laird at 14 Tomahawk at 13 James Sicily at 12 Toby Green at 11 Charlie Kerno at 10 so now we're in the top 10 Charlie Kerno reigning common medalist but can't get him higher than 10 no I mean he's a great player Again, love love Charlie Kerno. Blues fans here. He, um, you know, a lot of these key young key forwards. They they sorry these key forwards. They are young. There's got a lot of scope to get. Everyone's better. young compared to you now, Joe. Well, that's true. Um, and yeah, but I think <laughs> the guy you're you're about to say nine. I think I've made the case. And I think it's quite clear that he deserves to be higher, even though he didn't win the Coleman medal. Well, yeah, Tom Lynch missed a few games, and yeah. arguably the trajectory would have been had he played a full season as Kerno did, he probably would have won the yeah, Coleman. Yeah, he, he prob- averaged more. Yeah, he averaged more goals. Um, he, he averaged the most goals in the comp, and he averaged the most contested marks in the comp. Um, um, so I think I think there's uh, an argument to be made. He played four games fewer than Kerno, and he only missed out on the Coleman by four goals. So 
I think he's kicking one a game, and I think he gets that. So I, I'm pretty comfortable with him uh, being ahead. Yep, Bolton next, uh, also from the Tigers, then Bontempelli, Miller, and... Ka- uh, well, sorry, we'll get to the top five, but sorry, Bolton, also going to feature on another one of our lists coming out next week. Yes, the top 20 must-watch players. Not to be confused with the... Not to be confused with the best players, but yeah, I mean, it speaks for itself, must-watch. I mean, who are the must-watch? Who catches your eye? Who do you want to watch each week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Bolton at eight, Bontempelli at seven, uh, Took Miller at six, as you mentioned, just just consistent, just racks the ball, just the consummate professional as well. And, yeah. and just one of those players that you can rely on week in, week out. And this is why like the super coach um, players love having him in the side and love having him as the captain because yeah. he just delivers. Yeah, you you want consistent. You love consistent players, um, and you really love A grade consistent players. Like yeah. to have a player first that possession does it players week in week out. And as I said before about the Callum Mills comparison, I think he does that role the best. Um, and we spoke with Josh Dunkley about this a couple of years ago, and he said that Miller is the, Miller's the hardest player to play on in the midfield because he'll kill you with when he's got the ball, but you cannot get away with him when you've got the ball, and he's the hardest working player up and down the ground. Uh, Jeremy Cameron at five, so he is the highest-rated key forward. Mm. Yeah, and I think I don't think many people will disagree with that. I mean, like I said, with with the stats before about Lynch, most goals, most contested marks, you might be able to make the case there. But I think Cameron's just so much more dynamic and versatile. He'll he will kill you at ground level as well. And he's push I, the way he's been pushing up the ground since moving to Geelong. Like you see him at half back, he's constantly looking to to provide the bailout option. He's an elite finisher around goal on the lead, whether it's a set shot from taking a mark on the lead or... He's just, you know, just an elite... I think his kicking is underrated because yeah. his kicking out of the centre square to a leading forward yeah. or to a small mm. forward is also spot on. He's just well. a great football we, player. We've discussed this uh, at times last year as well, but but also this year about, if you like you said, if you if you had the schoolyard lineup and mm. you had every single player in front of you, who are you taking first? I'd actually probably take Yeah, it, and it probably would. And I would, I would agree with you... Um, but that's more about where Diamond doesn't compared to the players above yeah. uh, in this list. They're all midfielders, and you can say, "Well, I could miss out in the first round and still get a good, yeah. good player in a, yeah. in a you know faint draft or whatever." But Cameron would be not my number one, so I think very deserved of a top five berth in this list. Yep. Uh, Lockie Neal at number four, one of your favourites over a long time. One of my favourites, and um, yeah, I kind of wrote that in the wrote that in the little. Uh, little description with with Neil I mean you're getting to the point now where all these guys have a case um, to be or claim to be top the top player in the league and it's funny because Neil went into the Brownlow medal last year as the outright favorite and he ended up falling one vote short if he gets one more vote last year I mean it looks crazy if I don't have him as the number one player when he's won two of the last two Brownlows in the last three four seasons Um. But it's funny what one vote will do. But I, 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 I'm happy where he is, and I think the three players above him are better players at this point going into 2023, and I love Lockie Neal. Uh, Clayton Oliver, we mentioned him at number three. Yeah. Can't um, get above Cripps at two. Yeah, Oliver does everything well. Um, he's the ultimate midfielder. The only thing that probably is lacking in his game, but he's not there to do it, is kick goals. Um, but, you know, he does everything else well. He wins the ball. He wins clearances. He's, he's an underrated... Uh, pressure player. I think he ranked fourth in the league last year for pressure acts, which I think that will probably surprise a lot of people. We talked about Laird before about a, a ball and a top ball winner being a great tackler. Yeah. Okay, Oliver might not have the tackle numbers of Laird, but his pressure is off the charts. Yeah, and I don't was, think people well, he's getting credit. 30, yeah, five touches a game. Laird had one and a half more tackles per game, but I think uh, Clayton Oliver had three or four more pressure acts per game. Mm. So 
Oliver's actually putting pressure on outside of the stoppages a little bit more than the other midfielders. Yeah, and just a great, like a great user with his hands um, in tight at stoppages, always finds a target, always gets the ball out to the outside. And, and you know, it's just, going back to someone like Tom Libertoro, probably doesn't get the credit for it as much. He's still one of the, the best inside mids in the comp. But probably because he gets 24 a game as opposed to Oliver's 31 doesn't get put in that same sort of class. But over overlooked in the sense that he's feeding a lot of those balls out to Bond and Pally and McRae and Smith on the outside who get a lot of the credit and the praise for it. And you kind of just forget where it all started from. But Oliver does it all well, deserves to be a top three player in the league. Uh, and as I said at the start, I, I, did, I, I was really flicking these names around a lot in terms of the number one player. And he was, he was there for a while. Uh, Patrick Cripps, number two, reigning Brownlow medalist. Yeah, what do you need to say after last season? He was fantastic, um, took his game to another level, was always able to win the ball, um, never had any trouble with that. Added goals to his goals to his game. I mean, that first game last year, last year against the Tigers, he just looked like he wasn't going to miss, and that really set the tone for the year. Um, because it was hard to, he actually, I think he won more con- uncontested ball than he ever had as well, which is another sort of another little addition to his game. And there aren't many players that are sort of lead by example or, or do it better than Cripps. I mean, he would put the team on his back and probably something that he's been criticised for a little bit in the past. But now that he's got a bit more support in there, um, he was able to push forward a little bit and just a great player. I mean, deserves the Brownlow medal. And Petrarca, we sort of mentioned him a little bit uh, off the top at number one, but just some thoughts on him. Yeah, I kind of said it before, but just I, I love watching him play. And he... he his numbers, as I said before, are very similar to peak Dustin Martin. He's getting, uh, you know, just off the top of my head now, it's it's 28, he's kicking a goal a game. Um, he's the high, he's the best inside 50 player in the comp. He wins clearances. Um, he sets up goals. He's one of the top, I think he's the number one score involvement player outside of Keith. I think only Tom Hawkins is ahead of him. So he's the best midfielder or mid forward uh, for score involvements. Yep. Um, don't really think he has a weakness in his game. Some people might say that his kicking can could probably improve a touch, but I think you find that with a lot of these players. Even when, even when someone like Patrick Dangerfield was at his best, his kicking efficiency was only ever around 55, 58 um, percent, and that's just the reality of being an 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 inside sort of or, or any midfielder that's a going burst, to be rushed. Stoppage and, midfielder. Yeah. Um, but he's a tremendous player, and I've said it five or six times that I'm not forecasting ahead here, but I, I think. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that he's the best player going... And I thought he was the best player going into last season. I mean, after that grand final performance, he won the Norm Smith medal. Melbourne won the flag. He went into last year, in my opinion, as the best player in the comp. I don't think he did anything last year that changed my mind. Um, He kicked more goals in 2021. Uh, He was a little bit inaccurate this year, but he takes a lot of hard shots. I don't know if Christian has any stats that would back that up, but he he does take a lot of hard shots. Uh, I don't have the stat in front of me, but it, it doesn't pump him up as much he does he does take harder shot i think he has like an expected hit rate of 30 percent, which is the hardest shots at goal but he's still sort of hitting underneath that so it yeah it's not one where yeah he, he nails the hard yeah. shots either it's almost like we'll stop taking the hard shots yeah like, but also it's but, like yeah. the, the previous year i think he uh, uh, he kicked more goal he kicked significantly more goals and behinds this year it was then last year it was flipped so i think at some point it kind of evens out a little bit i think yeah he's he's the best player in the comp in my opinion i think he does everything well um and I must say, if you're following his uh, his little food Cooking. food TikToks, he's looking he's looking in good shape for this year. So 
yeah, expect big things from him. And um, who'd win? Who'd win a kick cook off between him and uh, Cam Zuhar? He's pretty. He's pretty good, Zuhar as well, isn't he? I think. I think Zuhar's meals are a bit more decadent. Yeah. I think. I think Christian Petrarca goes for a bit more, more like fuel for the body. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe we could organise a cook off in the ESPN offices. <laughs> but yeah, that's the fifty. And um, I'm, as I said, I'm sure people will disagree with things and. You know, you let can him change, know on Twitter. <laughs> you can change the, you can change the anything around really. I mean, yeah. but I, I, I'm, I'm happy with the whole fifty. But I'm really comfortable with the top twenty-five. I was really happy with that, with that top twenty-five in particular. Yeah. Um, and I haven't changed really anything in the top twenty-five, even one or two positions, at all in weeks. Whereas the, the bottom, the twenty-six to fifty was, was constantly shuffling around because I feel like it's, you're splitting hairs at some point. To those listening at home, do you agree? Do you disagree? Is someone stiff? Is someone too high? You can let us know at Footy Tips on Twitter. Maybe don't go after Jake's personal Twitter. He might nah, not, you uh... can. It's all right. I don't mind. <laughs> well, we are back now for the 2023 yep. season. We uh, we're going to be back tomorrow with another podcast. So there's just podcasts coming out of uh, out of all areas at this at this point. We're going to have some preseason analysis. We're going to look forward towards uh, round one. We're going to be all up and about. So. Uh, we it, look. Hopefully, you can enjoy the journey with us as we go through season five. Yeah, um, it's it's always good fun, and we would have enjoyed. Tell to, your mates. Yeah, we would have enjoyed to do a little bit more in the off season, and I, I know we kind of tease that we might be doing stuff. But a few people not not happy with that on Twitter, by the way. Really? Yeah, a couple. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. Well, well to, at least we got. We need, we need we need time off at some point. This yeah, I know thing. it's too hard. It's, too it's always hard. good to have thirsty fans. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave them wanting more. Well, yeah, there's plenty plenty coming as I said. Plenty of content coming. ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL. Uh, that's where you can get all your, your footy fix from us. Uh, don't forget to get your tips in as well. Uh, footy tips, please. Uh, I've been one of those people who just you forget on the Thursday night to put your tips in for the first match. You won behind the eight ball already. So get your competitions sorted on the Footy Tips app. Make sure you're ready to go. Subway's back on board with a with a segment sponsor as well from uh, from tomorrow so it's all happening uh, here at ESPN with the footy coverage yep fantastic and um, I I mean this from the bottom of my heart I hope people this a lot of blood sweat and tears did go into this I know it might seem like just kind of throwing names together and putting 50 players and, and all that but this has been an absolute epic amount of work um, and time and effort so I hope people enjoy it I'm, I'm all for people uh, disagreeing or agreeing whatever that's fine but I, I really do hope people enjoy it, and um, oh, if people want to pen their own 50, we'd love to see them as well. <laughs> You'll return serve on the feedback. Uh, Christian, good <laughs> to have you back in the studio. Jake, uh, good to speak with you as always. To everyone at home or on the train or in the car, we'll uh, speak to you in the next one. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.